When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I am very excited today because uh, we're going to bring to you a double episode, kind of, in that we have two guests for the price of one. Karen Hurt and David Dye will be joining us in just a moment, but a couple of quick announcements before we get going. If you've got a story about amazing customer service or an experience that you want to share, uh, or you have a question that you'd like me to answer, just go to any of the social media channels. I am pretty much everywhere. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll either answer the question right there. I could answer it on this show, or I put it in my newsletter, the Shepherd Letter, or even my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime, C-Suite TV, and now you can get it on YouTube. Isn't that exciting? Just go to BeAmazing.tv. That's BeAmazing.tv. All right, let's jump into it. We've got Karen Hurt and David Dye in the house. Uh, these two fine people are authors. They have a wonderful book. I'm holding it in my hand, Courageous Cultures. And I believe this is the second book that you guys have done together. Yes. And they also have a children's book. We'll talk about that on a different podcast that I haven't started yet. But they, <laughs> they know so much about culture. They know so much about working with leaders. And when it comes to great experience, in my opinion, it starts on the inside where the leaders define what the culture is, what they want that service and experience vision to be. Uh, just a quick little background. I met Karen when we were speaking together probably about five or six, seven years ago. We became instant friends. I met David. Uh, unbeknownst to me, he had already met Karen and he didn't tell me. And uh, then one day they got married. I go, well, that's really cool. And here they are together on this show. Welcome. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Shep. We're delighted to be here. And didn't I tell you it would not be the traditional introduction? Yep, <laughs> you did indeed. And I hope I didn't let you down. So, well, hey, uh, let's just jump right into this. And by the way, did I leave anything important out? I know, nope. should we talk about your, your Sebastian who does card tricks? <laughs> Sebastian and would probably want you to talk about Sebastian. That's his favorite thing. <laughs> and how old is Sebastian? Sebastian just turned 16. 16, so. and it's all about, I remember when I did a magic trick for him, I believe at one of the National Speakers Association conventions. And I don't know if that was, I think he was just starting to get the bug. He was oh. such a little nugget and he was running around the conference doing magic and watching magic from anyone who would engage. So yes, oh. that's Seb. It was fun. All right, let's get, get into it. Am I leaving anybody else? Are there other children? No, you're now? good. Well, we do have older ones, but that would be a lot. So we're good. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Well, let's talk about Courageous Culture, which is your book and why it's important to uh, the whole idea of customer experience. 
Yeah, it was really interesting, Shep, as we were working with clients really across a variety of industries around the world, we were noticing a consistent pattern. We would be working at the senior level of the organization and we would hear things like, gosh, why am I the only one who's uh, coming up with these ideas to improve the customer experience? Why are people not sharing best practices? Why am I the one who discovers it by accident? And people are sitting in a cube right next to each other, not talking about these things. And then we would be doing training at the front line and we would hear things like, nobody wants my ideas. The nobody last time listens I to me. <laughs> right? And we thought, are you working for the same company? So most leaders really do want ideas to improve the customer experience. They want their employees to be customer advocates. They are looking for micro innovation. And employees have great ideas. And they're not just ideas to, you know, for themselves. It's not like, oh, we need kombucha in the break room. They have ideas to improve yeah. the CX. Kombucha. Uh, kombucha. What, what, you know. I, I should know about this. I'm going to have to send you some. <laughs> what is yeah. it? It's a, it's a halfway between lemonade and a sour beer, Chef, but it's got digestive aids for you. It's but no alcohol. No alcohol. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. very interesting. The health, health drink. Kombucha. But I'm laughing because one of our, our very first uh, clients that we worked with had kombucha on tap in the break room. So, yeah, so somebody had that idea. But, you know, the our research found that the ideas that people were holding back when they were holding ideas, these ideas back were ideas to improve the customer experience, the employee experience or productivity in a process. And so that's the we we started an extensive research study with University of North Colorado Social Research Lab on why people were holding back these ideas and then came up with some very practical tools and techniques to help people do that better. Wow. Why or I guess what are the reasons that the front line uh, just won't talk about it? But uh, there are several that the, came to the forefront in the research. One of them is that leaders aren't asking. Like 49% of the respondents said, you know, I'm just not consistently, my leader's not asking for these ideas. And, you know, so the assumption, and you get into some of the psychology that's going on, is that people hold on to past negative experiences. Uh, Dr. Amy Edmondson, who wrote The Fearless Organization, Pioneer in Psychological Safety, you know, talks about how people hold on to past negative experiences. So we'd talk to folks and, you know, 10 years ago, I had a bad experience where I got shot down or ignored or something Ten happened. 10 years ago. 10 years wow. ago. And literally. I wasn't even at that company. It was a different company. They're still holding back. Different manager, different company, but they're like, I'm never making that mistake again because that pain hurts and it lingers. And so from a leadership perspective, it's good to know that that's going on. Uh, another thing that came out was, you know, that feeling that nothing's going to change. Uh, Half of the respondents said, yeah, if I were to contribute an idea, it's not going to be taken seriously. And what was interesting, so you say, well, what is that just a personal thing or no? We asked them, well, what if your colleague contributed an idea? Would that one be taken seriously? No, same same answer. Half the folks said, no, it's just not going to happen. So uh, you, and then you've got uh, people lacking confidence. They don't know how to share. They're afraid to share 40 percent. Um, then we had the 50 was oh, almost two thirds that that uh, had the feeling that um, you know, my manager's just stuck in their way of doing things. And so you get these mindsets that people have, some of them based in reality, some of them maybe not true at all, but that's where people are feeling. And so in, 
when that's the default, silence becomes the safe answer as opposed to consistent contribution. Yeah, the, and the most surprising finding in all the research was that 56% said the reason they are not sharing an idea to improve the customer experience or the productivity in the process was because they would not get credit for the idea. Really? Yeah, wow. and the interesting thing is when we share that statistic from the keynote stage in, in a live room, people go, uh-huh. Like you can hear the whole yeah, room. You, they're uh -huh. all in agreement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Audible, audible agreement. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not, so I'm going to jump back to a history lesson for me. It was back in the 1980s, actually, when I was working with a company, still work with them, by the way, Merits, uh, based here in St. Louis, a uh, huge worldwide company. And they created something called idea systems. And this was a program where you would go into a company and I'm going to tell you a true story that you're, it's going to blow your mind and it's going to give credibility to what you just said. And you're just going to say, I don't believe it. But uh, what they did is they created a program where all employees could submit ideas and their ideas were then rated, ranked, and you got rewards. It was like an incentive program internally. And so first I want to ask if, if you've had any experience with that and what you think of the bribery to get people to share. And then the compensation, they're given a catalog and say, Hey, you get X number of points for that one. You know, it could be a money saving idea. It could be a process idea, customer experience, service idea, whatever. It didn't matter, but they assigned an award to it. And uh, it seemed to work in some companies, but I got to tell you about the company where it didn't work. When I hear your answer to uh, what you think of this. It all needs to be a part. It's, it's, it can't be the only thing you're doing. It can be, it has to be well executed, you know? So it's uh, because one of the challenges with it, and they can work, these, these programs can work. Um, I'm laughing because in 1980s, I also was working for the first National Bank of Maryland in a, uh, I should never have been a banker. That's the first thing, but <laughs> they, I submit, they had a system just like that. And I was so salty that Nobody listened to my idea because I know it was a brilliant idea in a program just like that, but I, I digress. I think it really it has to be done in context. And if it's the only thing that you're doing and then and and, and how are you responding to those ideas? Because it, ideas like that, you know, you're getting rewarded only if the idea works. And then not, and then if people have ideas that you're not going to use, then they feel disincented because they don't feel listened yeah, to. Yeah, the, the critical thing with anytime you're trying to encourage behavior is what is the actual behavior you want? Is the behavior you want suggesting ideas that have a chance or is the behavior you want only suggesting money ideas that you know are going to work? Mm -hmm. And so if you're only rewarding the ideas that you that succeed, you're not rewarding the sharing of things that might work, and then you have a problem. All right. So, um, gosh, I, and I've, I've worked with a number of companies on this program that Merits had, but uh, one of their clients, I believe it was Merits that worked with them, but I was working, I won't tell you the name of the airline, but their initials are TWA. And they're no longer around. Okay. Back in the, uh, I guess it was in the 90s, American took them over and merged into that. But Carl Icahn, do you remember that name? Carl Icahn, the guy that kind of took it over and then broke it up. And, you know, he was, that's what he's known for. Uh, he's a tough, tough businessman. They put together this idea program. And when he saw how much money they were actually reaping as a result of these great ideas, he was excited till he saw how they were compensating the employees. And he said, this is what they should be doing anyway. And he pulled the program.
Oh, no. So anyway, uh, that's just the way it was told to me. Uh, there's probably three sides to every story. That one, the his side, or and then the actual truth uh, that happened. But regardless, you know, those are the kinds of things. And I remember working with TWA in a number of different areas, and and how that really was so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was it was like a dejected feeling. Is that the right yeah. word? Yeah, they just yeah. You know, right. Chef, in in your book, I'll be back. Right, you talk about customer reward programs, and they're not inherently good or they're not inherently bad. It's yep. how do they fit into the overall yep. culture that what you're you're doing? And I'd, I'd say the same thing is true for employees. You know, the yeah. the leadership perspective of yes, it's a part of what people like us should be doing, looking for ways to better serve our customer. We want that intrinsic in our culture. And those systems are part of that culture, but they're not everything. Yep. And, uh, you know, Carl Icahn, very successful guy, knew what he was doing. That's the way he played his game. And he, he was lean and mean. And, and, and you know what? Some people love working in those types of organizations and others probably fight it. Now, anyway, we are going to take a short break. But before I do that, I want to tell everybody about Courageous Cultures by Karen Hurt. And that's H-U-R-T. And actually, Karen is even spelled a little differently. She, it's not K-R-E-N, it's K-R-I-N. And David Dye, D-Y-E. You can get this book on Amazon or wherever any books are sold because they can order it if they don't have it. So go out, get it. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, talking with Karen Hurt and David Dye, and we are talking about culture. We're talking about uh, micro uh, innovation, I believe is what we're calling it, micro innovators. This is a really cool concept. I remember uh, a friend of mine, a client, and I wrote about him in one of my books, um, The uh, which book was it? Cult of the Customer, Don Wainwright of Wainwright Industries. Had a company, about 150 employees, manufacturing business. And he said to everybody, it is not an, uh, an option. Every single week, I want you to write down an idea that you think will improve the company in any way. It will make us money, save us money. It's a safety idea, a green idea, just something that'll make your life better, anything. It could be something as simple as we need a bigger wastebasket in that corner because we're always getting overfilled to something that's going to make us a lot of money. And he made everybody this every single week. And at first, people thought it was hard to do. And then they realized they're always thinking about innovative ideas all the time and don't even realize it. So you can train your brain to get there. But here's what he told me. He said, let's say I had 7,500 submissions in a year, uh, approximately. Perhaps 7,480 of them weren't all that good. 
but the 20 that were took the company to a whole nother level. And he started winning recognized awards like the Malcolm Baldridge Quality Award, which today uh, people don't know as much about, but it's like the JD Power. It, it is huge um, it, it, to, to get these types of things. Anyway, I, I want you to talk about it. There is a seven-step process for building that courageous culture, as you call it, that encourages micro-innovators. I love that term. Uh, problem solvers, customer advocates. And I want you to tell us what those steps are. All right, I'll, I'll start with the first couple and then I'll hand it over to you. So it starts with navigating the narrative. And what does that mean? It, it means helping your leaders and your managers get real with their own relationship with psychological safety and speaking up. Because if a manager goes out and says, hey, I really want your ideas, it's safe to share what's on your mind, and they're watching you, and you're not speaking up or you're not confronting a peer or you're not exhibiting psychological safety, nobody's gonna believe it. So that's a lot of the really important work that we do when we go in to help companies build a courageous culture is start with this navigate the narrative and getting underneath the hopes and fears and all of that. Then it comes to the second step is creating clarity. And this is clarity around two things. One, which your friend did great, clarity that we really do want people's ideas and that you are communicating that five times five different ways clarity that you really do want ideas and this is also really really important clarity about what kinds of ideas you need because we tested our courageous cultures tools and processes in two ways before we went out to start to do this work one we went to companies like your like your friend and said hey, um, we just want any idea to improve the business and use the process. And then we said, we need, worked with groups and said, we need ideas around these three strategic priorities. The quality of the ideas, when we were more clear around the strategic direction of where they needed ideas, they, you don't have that small ratio of really game-changing ideas and then a whole bunch you can't really use because you're more clear about what a great idea mm, would accomplish. Yep. Yep. And then cultivating curiosity. And this is where you, we, we give managers really practical tools to not just say, hey, I have an open door, but to proactively go out and ask for ideas and, and doing that in a number of deliberate ways. Yeah, because the best the ideas you need are unlikely to walk through your open door. I think, Shep, you made such a, an important point earlier is that people have ideas, people are thinking innovatively, but sometimes don't even recognize that they have a solution that's going to improve that customer experience until you ask. And once you ask, oh yeah, there it is. So that cultivating curiosity is so important. Followed up, following up that you've got to respond with regard because it's so easy to get the ideas, but if people feel like they're going into a black hole, they're not seeing any response. Even if you are using the ideas, then it just reinforces all that negative thinking that came out in the research earlier. And so how are you following up and responding uh, with gratitude, with adding information where it's necessary and then inviting people to continue contributing? And you can use that process of responding with regard, no matter whether it's an idea you can't use at all, or it's one that's so good, it's already been implemented and they just didn't know it and everything in between. Yeah, before so, you go so into the next three steps, the what I would also say is those first four can be done at any level of the organization. You can be a frontline supervisor and you know, create psychological safety by helping people navigate the narrative, create clarity about where you need idea, 
cultivate curiosity, go out and ask some courageous questions to get people thinking and then responding with regard. The next three are more organizational. Yeah. So but after before you, we get into that, I just want to make, make a quick question. What you're suggesting is that every idea that is shared gets feedback. 100%. At every level. Okay. It's whether the it's, most important thing. Whether it's a spoken conversation or whether it's submitted formally, everything. And I think that is so important, uh, especially if you make it clear, your idea may or may not be used, but we're trying to create this innovative organization. And in order to get there, we got to get you guys to just throw in ideas. No idea is a bad idea. It's just an idea that might not get used right away. So I'm excited about this. I, I would like to do more of this in my little company. And if we can, when we're giving that feedback, it doesn't have to be super involved because sometimes leaders are like, holy cow, you don't know how many ideas I get. Well, how am I going to respond to them all? It's simply this. Hey, Shep, thank you for sharing. Thank you for thinking about how we can be better. I appreciate that. Hey, listen, this idea sounds like it's strategically going over here. Right now, we're looking for ideas over here. What else do you have in that direction? Love to get your thinking on that. Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. You're appreciated. You're invited to continue. And now you know a little bit more about how to contribute even more strategically. All right, so we're at number five right now. All right, next up, galvanize the genius. So we're getting ideas. Uh, now we're saying, okay, this is a best practice. Let's get this out here. And so how do you galvanize the genius and reinforce getting back onto the clarity side of things, communicating, cascading, and ensuring that it's happening in practice once we're taking those ideas and getting them out into the, the organization? Um, practice the principle is how do you dive underneath the surface of an idea and find out what's truly meaningful about it in a way that can scale, that can be applied in different ways? Because one of the mistakes that leaders often make is they'll say, hey, wow, this team is knocking it out of the park by, you know, giving Jolly Ranchers to every customer. So then they're like, oh, all customers get Jolly Ranchers. Well, that might only work if you're in this community that happens to have a thing for Jolly Ranchers because it's the high school mascot. And you do that over here, it, it means nothing and it's insulting to another group. So what's the principle underneath that? That's what you actually want to scale and replicate throughout your, your business. And chapter six of the book has an extensive case study from when I was leading a 2200 person sales team at Verizon and how we did practice the principle um, and focused on the customer in Cedar Bluff, Virginia, how that's different than Washington, D.C., then how that's different in Virginia Beach. And so if you're really wanting an in-depth view of how to practice the principle, chapter six is your chapter. And then the final step is uh, building a, an infrastructure for courage. And so this looks at all of your systems in an organization and you know, so much of human behavior is driven by the systems we're a part of. So are they reinforcing these practices? Are they actually undermining courage and creating unnecessary internal competition where it doesn't need to exist or tolerating toxic behaviors and courage crushers and all those sorts of things that don't need to be a part of any organization, much less one that's trying to create an amazing customer experience. How do you get, uh, I mean, I wish we could spend a lot more time on this, but is there, uh, there's probably, uh, I think when leadership decides this wants to get done, uh, they got to push it down to managers. What if managers middle management, or even somebody on the front line says, we need something like this. How do they sell it to the leader? So, you know, one of the things we talk about is building a cultural oasis. I don't think that you necessarily need to go say, you know, you're, you're a, say you're a middle manager. You don't need to call your CEO and say, Hey, I think we need to build a courageous culture. Just start, figure out an area where you really need a great idea from your team create clarity around that. 
cultivate curiosity. And we have a number of ways to do that, you know, create, go out and ask a courageous question, a lot of different examples So we have own the ugly process to help you think through your ideas, but go get curious with your team and then position the idea up using our idea model. I, why is this idea interesting? Meaning strategically aligned with where our company is headed. D, why is it doable? Meaning something we could pull off right now. This is why I think we could do this. E, engaging. Who are the key stakeholders you've talked to about that idea? This is where you teach your team to think about that. And A, actions. What are a couple of recommended first next steps? Then, once you say this process works, see, here's the idea that my team came up with. This is how we came up with it. Now people are looking like, huh, I want that for my team too. And, and we will definitely find that happens in organizations that we work with. Uh, we'll go in and we'll work with one, you know, one area, one department, and then all of a sudden the other departments are saying, hey, can you noticed. come do that for us too? Yeah. It gets noticed. Yeah. I think that I, I refer to this person or this group as the force within. Yes. And uh, once they get noticed, uh, hopefully they're noticed by the right people. Not only do other divisions or departments or groups want to do it, but maybe leadership says, what are you guys doing over there? It seems yes. that uh, you're, you're, you know, knocking it out of the park. You're doing great. You're, you know, what, what is it? Boy, is, is it one person? Is the manager just that good? No, it's everybody working together. So love these ideas. We have time for one more question and you know, what's coming and everybody who has heard the show knows it's coming. I just, uh, we only have time for one more. And that is the one last idea that you want to share with this group today that's listening to us. Uh, what would that be? So you don't have to be the CEO to create a courageous culture. That's really what I would leave you with. No matter what role that you're in, there is no question to me that your manager, if they knew you really cared about the company, you cared about the team, and you had a great idea to improve the customer experience, they want to hear it. And so it's just a matter of how do you position that idea? It may or may not be used, but have the courage to bring your ideas to improve the customer experience forward. And with two of us, you get two final thoughts. So my final would be, as you are taking leadership and building that courageous culture yourself, ask, get clear, ask for it. This is where we really need a great idea. And as you start getting ideas, respond with regard. Thank you. Here's the additional information. Love to get your future thoughts on this. Right. You Respond do those things with regard. Yep. You're there. Yep. Love it. The book, again, it's called Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And this is by Karen Hurt and David Dye, who've been wonderful guests. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us, Chef. Always sure. a pleasure. All right. Well, it was my pleasure and our our listeners' pleasure today. Thanks. And that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. I can't wait. Until then, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.